in the God's Word. If you have your Bibles, it's Acts chapter 7. Uh, we're going to continue on from last week, uh, both this morning and this evening, uh, with these messages. Last week, when the promise draws near, and uh, this is the second part of that, then we'll finish with the third uh, tonight. But Acts chapter 7, we're going to read from verse 17. Amen. Let's pray together this morning. Father, we just ask for your help for your anointing to be upon us this morning, both to preach and to hear your word. Lord, we thank you for your dealings with us as your people. We thank you, Lord, whom the Lord loves. He will also chastise. We thank you, Lord, this morning, Lord, it is a sign of sonship. And we thank you this morning we can cry, Abba, Father. Lord, would you come among us today? Would you meet with us? Would you deal with us? And would you speak with us, O God? Lord, would you change our lives, that our lives would glorify you? We ask all these things in and through the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. Acts chapter 7 and verse 17. But when the time of the promise drew nigh, which God had sworn to Abraham, the people grew and multiplied in Egypt till another king arose which knew not Joseph. The same dealt subtly with our kindred and evil entreated our fathers so that they cast out their young children to the end they may not live. In which time Moses was born and was exceeding fair and nourished up in his father's house three months. And when he was cast out, Pharaoh's daughter took him up and nourished him for her own son. And Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty in words and in deed. And we know the Lord will bless the reading of his word this morning. We just again to recap on last week, we looked at that uh, verse 17, but when the time of the promise drew nigh and we understood it, as, as, as a planet to the day in which we're in, the principles that were there, that there was a change uh, politically, there was a change in that there was a new pharaoh, there was a new king, and so there was a change socially uh, for God's people, and there was a change spiritually. And we see that when we begin to approach that God is in control, he's on the throne, he is sovereign above all kingdoms, above all men, Whoever is going to be in Downing Street will be there by the permitted will of Almighty God. Whatever the voting, whatever the schemes and whatever the plans, whoever ends up the Prime Minister of the United Kingdom will be there because God has allowed it. And so God is in control this morning. That's the same for every kingdom across this planet. And as we approached and as they approached the promise, as it drew near, as God had sworn to Abraham that there would be a mighty deliverance, as they approached that promise, we have seen in our age then a tremendous change. We have seen it in every aspect of life, whether it's politically, economically, socially, but primarily the change is a spiritual one. And the reason that's there is because we are approaching the promise. God has promised. God is in control. His purpose is being revealed. And God is doing a work in the midst of all of that. And this morning, as we look at this, as the promise draws near, the subtitle I suppose I would put in this this morning is a time of preparation. And preparation is critical. If you study and know God and begin to look at his word, you will see that throughout this whole book, 
God is a God of preparation. God prepares. He's methodical in preparation. When the devil deceived Adam and Eve, thank God God was prepared. He prepared Jesus Christ, our Savior, to come into this world, to die on the cross. Our lamb, a sacrificial lamb, was prepared. And you'll see this throughout this book. We'll look at some of them this morning as God makes preparation in the, in the life of God's people. In verse 20, it says in our reading this morning, in the midst of all of this change, as we're approaching the promise, we just read these words in verse 20. <clears throat> in which time Moses was born, he was exceeding fair, nourished up in his father's house three months. In which time, in this time of tremendous change, in this time of great change in every aspect of life, we see simply that the Bible says, in which time Moses was born. Can I just say something this morning to everyone that's in this room that is born of the Spirit of God? You've been born for this time. You haven't been born in 1904 or 1859 or even further than that. You've been born in this generation. You've been born of the Spirit of God for this hour. You've been born and brought to the kingdom for such a time as this. The purposes of God. You're no accident. You're no mistake. Whatever your family background, whether it was dysfunctional or not, can I tell you something? You're fearfully, you're wonderfully made in the image of Almighty God when you come to the knowledge of Christ as your own personal Lord and Savior. The purposes of God was revealed. This is the primary purpose to every man and woman and boy and girl that Jesus died for me. And the purposes of God in the new birth, he puts into our lives the very purpose and plan of God that we are, we are created for his pleasure. That's the primary function of our creation through the new birth. We are created for the pleasure of God and to glorify him and to love him and to enjoy God, to enjoy his presence. In his presence there is fullness of joy. God wants us to enjoy him this morning. This great salvation, the power of his blood, the lift us out of the gutter of sin and despair. He has provided for us a means of escape from the powers of darkness and he has clothed us in his own righteousness and we're standing this morning complete in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're to enjoy this this morning. We're to enjoy the presence of the Lord. God is a God that makes preparation and you have Everyone in this room that's saved, if you're not saved, here is the purpose of God for your life. To come to the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is your Savior, that He died for your sin, that He bled on that tree for you individually. And He has a purpose and a plan for your life. And if you are saved this morning, you've been born in this generation for a purpose. There's a purpose to your life. You know, all around us we see the despair amongst our young people particularly, but across the generations, people don't know why they're alive. And that's why our land is filled with suicide, despair, and all our hospitals are crammed to the doors of not knowing what to do with people feeling empty and depressed and lost and lonely. And we this morning, such were some of we, but we've been washed in the blood of Jesus. And the purposes of God 
has been put into our hearts by faith and by the Holy Spirit. So individually, you're born for a purpose. You understand that this morning? It says here in which time Moses was born. But I want you to put your name in there. In which time, this time, that's why you have been born. You've been born for this age. You've been born for this generation. You've been born in this land. You're here this morning for the purposes and the glory of God. There is a purpose for God in your life. God has a plan for your life. God has a purpose for our lives this morning. And God has birthed us for this reason. The plan of God of which one day we'll give an account to him of the life that we have lived as a Christian, individually, locally, nationally, and internationally, we are part of a worldwide body of Christ. We are to pray for those that are in prison this morning, that are in bonds this morning, that are persecuted this morning. That is the body of Christ. And we are part of that worldwide body. And we are called, and we are by faith and obedience, we respond to the purpose of God. Now, this is important. We respond to God's purpose. We have a responsibility. When I say you have a purpose, then I have a responsibility whether I will respond to that purpose or I will not respond. And so it's important this morning we read in in the Scripture of men that knew the purpose of God, but they get in a boat and they would go to the other side of the ocean to get away from God's purpose and plan. And so we have a responsibility this morning as the Spirit of God would speak to our hearts to respond to the purpose and the plan of Almighty God. The Bible tells us that the gifts and the calling of God are without repentance. God calls and God distributes those gifts into His body. Those resurrection gifts that Christ, when He ascended, gave to that body. Apostles and prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, For the perfecting of the saints, Corinthians tells us that there is not only apostles, prophets, teachers, then there's miracles, there's gift of healings, there's helps, there's governments, there's diversities of tongues, there's a vast array of of gifts and callings that God would put in the body, there's intercessors, there's encouragers, there's builders, there's those that back it with financial sacrifice. What part are we playing in the body of Christ? It's not just one or two things, but there's a whole array of gifts that the Holy Spirit would put into the body of Christ. God's purpose, as revealed in His Word, we see that God would work with His people, revealing that purpose to them. Now, we go back just to show you this this morning, just some examples. There's so many we could be here all day. But Exodus 35 and 21, it's how we respond to that purpose this morning that's crucial for the blessing of the Lord in our lives and locally as a fellowship. And not only locally, but nationally and internationally, this affects everything, how an individual will respond. In Exodus 35 and 21, it tells us here, when it came to the tabernacle of the congregation, it says, And they came, everyone whose heart was stirred him up, and everyone whom his spirit was made willing. There's two things that happen here when the purpose of God is revealed through the tabernacle of the congregation being erected. Their hearts were stirred within them. And secondly, their spirit was made willing. So God's looking for a people who are willing 
Are, are your willing heart? Is your heart willing for the service of God? Are you willing this morning? Are you stirred in your spirit for the purpose and the plan of Almighty God this morning? They were, they were willing to give. They were willing to offer themselves. You know, I, I think I've told the story before, but you know, the Bible says the Lord loves a cheerful giver. He loves a cheerful giver. He loves people that are happy when they give, not just of their substance, but of their lives and of their gifts and of their talents and, and everything that they want to serve God. I want to be a servant in the house of the Lord, whatever that capacity may be. And God loves a, a cheerful giver. And many years ago in Sunday school, it's marked on my mind forever and ever and ever. When my Sunday school teacher had a black box, when it came to the offering time to give your 10p in, the black box had automatic doors. He made it himself. It was, it was amazing. The doors opened. A skeleton arm came out with a skeleton hand, took your 10p and drew it back in again. I'm going to tell you, you never missed your tithe. We were petrified. We joke here. We were petrified in that Sunday school class. Every Sunday, now children, it's time to do the offering. The black box is on his knee. We were all sitting. If you forgot your collection, you were in tears. But God loves a cheerful giver. He doesn't want to try and rip it out of us. Everything belongs to him anyway. Everything that we have, the very shirt on our backs this morning, everything that we have, it belongs to God. And God requires of us to be good stewards, but to be people that are wanting to give, not just finances, but and that's part of it because that often shows the heart. But God's looking for a people that respond to his purpose and say, God, everything that I have is yours, but I want to give, but I want to do it with the right heart. My spirit is stirred within me because I'm willing for the purposes of God. Can I just ask you this morning, are you willing... Is your heart willing this morning to respond as God reveals his purposes to our lives? Are you willing this morning to say, God, do you know, whatever it is, whatever it is, Lord, if I have to be a helper on that lighthouse bus on a Thursday night, I'm going to tell you something, Lord, I'm going to do that with all my heart, and I'm going to do it with the right heart. If I'm going to be someone who's just responsible for keeping the maintenance of a building, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do, Lord. I'm going to do that with the right heart, but I'm going to do it with everything. People think those are small things. I want to tell you something that's everything to do with the condition of the heart and how we serve. Lord, I want to be someone who serves you in the way things and Lord, I want to be faithful in that, but I want to do it with a willing heart and with the right spirit. And God sees all of that, brothers and sisters, this morning. And so we see in this, it tells us that they brought the Lord's offering to the work of the tabernacle of the congregation and for all his service and for the holy garments. We see it in the building, the rebuilding of the temple. If you turn over into Ezra chapter 1, we see... Here it's amazing too because again we refer to God being in control of every prime minister and every king on this planet this morning. In Ezra chapter 1, the purposes of God, God had promised after 70 years, God's people would return. Let me tell you something, his word will never return unto him void. What God said he will do this morning, brothers and sisters, God is going to do it. When Jesus left this planet and says, I will come again. Could I tell you something this morning? Jesus Christ is coming again. That's the promise. That's what we're heading towards. That's why there's the turmoil in the nations. Jesus is coming for his bride. 
The bride needs to make herself ready. In Ezra chapter 1, verse 1, it says, Now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a heathen king, the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled. The Lord stirred up the spirit of a heathen king called Cyrus, that he made a proclamation throughout the kingdom. God changes the heart of a king. In Proverbs 21 and 1, the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. God can change. May God change the heart of Queen Elizabeth. May God change the heart of the Taoiseach in Dublin. May God change the heart of our politicians in the north of Ireland. May God change the heart of the Scottish First Minister. May God change. That's why we pray for our leaders. May God change their hearts. We know their plans are wicked. They're against the word of God. But church, this morning we serve a God that changes the heart of the king. And so we have a responsibility to respond to the purposes of God. Just on down verse 5. It says these words, the king's hearts changed. And this is because of the purpose of God. In Ezra 1 and 5, Then rose up chief of the fathers, Judah and Benjamin, and the priests and the Levites, with all them whose spirit God had raised. You see again, the purposes of God is being revealed and their spirits begin to rise up. God begins to stir their hearts to build the house of the Lord, which is in Jerusalem. So we see God reveals his purpose. He stirs the hearts of the people. And then the people respond to the purpose of God. And they give themselves to that purpose. And the blessing of the Lord is upon that. You see how God works. God's purpose is being revealed. The Bible tells us, In Philippians 2 and verse 13, For it is God that worketh in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. God's working in you this morning. Saint, listen to me. It may not feel like it. There might be a dry spell. There might be a wilderness. There might be great trials. You might be going through a valley. You may not feel anything. Or sometimes Christians don't feel anything. But let me tell you something. God's working God's working. He's working in our hearts to do his good pleasure. Nothing, can I tell you this, nothing happens by chance. God reveals his purpose. Man responds to that purpose by faith and obedience. And God then steps in. And God will move that man, that woman, those people together for the purposes of God. Responding to the voice and the purpose of God is critical. Where there's ever a purpose, you'll find there's a preparation. Tie it together. Write that down. Wherever there is a purpose revealed of God, there is also the preparation of those people. Individually, corporately, nationally, and internationally, God is preparing a bride internationally for Jesus. All across this world this morning. In Acts chapter 7, verse 23, just to go to the individual and bring the application to our hearts today, how God is dealing with this. Acts 7, 23, it tells us, and when he was full 40, this is uh, Moses, when he was full 40 years old, it came into his heart to visit his brethren, the children of Israel. Now, when we read that, we see that Moses was born in a time of great change. His life was supernaturally preserved by God Almighty. He was brought up in in Pharaoh's palace and all the ways of the Egyptians. But at the age of 40, 
It tells us here, this did not happen by chance. It just wasn't a feeling. It just wasn't just a hunch that he woke up one morning. It came into his heart. The purposes of God to a limited understanding was revealed to the very heart of Moses at the age of 40. Because he realized that he didn't belong into that world. That Egyptian set up that whole system as a representation of the world. He realized, I don't belong in this system, this worldly system. I don't belong in this Egyptian world. And it came into his heart to visit his brethren. So he goes into Egypt where those Hebrew children, his brethren, are being mistreated. They're being afflicted. They're being oppressed. They're they're in an awful circumstance. But that was the revelation. He had a revelation in part of the purpose of God. What did God want to do? Set his people free. That was God's promise. So Moses had a limited revelation that he would go down to visit his brethren. When he's there, he sees one of his brethren being mistreated. What does he do? He murders a man. What does he do after that? He flees into the wilderness. You see, here we see, we see in the life of Moses, we see Moses responding to the purpose of God. But the time was wrong. The method was wrong. The vessel wasn't ready. But he understood the limited understanding, the purpose of God. This is important for us all. And God is, I know God's been teaching me and I'm sort of one of those ones, I'm a slow learner. I'm sort of hard to get through, but I I thank God that he's patient and he's long-suffering and he doesn't give up on us. Praise the Lord. God doesn't give up. Joanna prayed it this morning. He's still working with us. But here we see, understood the purpose of God. He understood something of the heart of God. God's promise was approaching and God's purpose was the deliverance of his people. Moses comes down. He grasped that, but the timing's wrong. The method's wrong. Most importantly, the vessel's not ready. And for 40 years, as we looked at it last week, as he flees into the wilderness, we see here, that he served his father-in-law Jethro in keeping the sheep for 40 years. Now, what was God doing? Was that by chance? Was that just haphazard? That's just the way it worked out? It just happened that day, he took a right turn to the wilderness. If he had to took a left turn, it could have been somewhere else. This is the divine purpose of God and the preparation of the vessel of God, that the timing would be right, that the method would be right, and that the vessel would be ready, and the purposes of God would be fulfilled. And so we see the primary lesson in this was that Moses learned to be a servant in the wilderness. What it is to serve another man's sheep, another man's flock. There weren't even his own sheep. He learned what it was to be a servant of the Lord in the wilderness. He learned what it was to be submitted to another man. He learned what it was to be surrendered to the plan and the purpose of God. God knew what was needed for Moses in the preparation, in the timing, and in the method. And God knows what is required of us in the preparation, in the timing, and in the method. As we are responding to the purpose, God's preparing his people He's preparing us for the time in which we're in and for his method, not ours. God is preparing a people. If everything of what you've gone through over the past 
years of your life as a Christian, you must know this. Young believers and older believers hopefully will agree. But everything of what has been happening in our lives, every trial, every circumstance, every disappointment, every valley, every wilderness experience, all the, all the things that we have gone through and all the different aspects of our family life, our personal life, our church life, everything of what is going on. Let me tell you what God's doing. God is preparing a people. You got to know this is the purposes of God. God has a way in which he prepares us. We would never choose the way. If you had to know what was going to happen when you walked that path, not one of us would, but we just say, Lord, where you lead me, I will go because I've learned to trust you. God knows what he's doing. And so as we begin to walk, sometimes frail, sometimes wobbling, sometimes he carries us, sometimes he pulls us out of the ditch. But in all those things, God is preparing a people for his glory. You've got to know that whether you feel this this morning, many times, how many times do people feel in the valley or in the wilderness, do they feel God? Because we don't go by feelings, we go by faith. And so the dealings of God in our lives is to strip us of everything of ourselves. Why? Because we have said at some point in our lives, God, I want you to make me the man or the woman that you want me to be. God says, I'll do that. I'm actually so good and so merciful and so gracious to you. I would be happy to make you and conform you into the image of my son. So follow me. Then it all begins to happen. And then we all start screaming and say, Lord, why me? What have I done to deserve this? But God's preparing a people. God's doing a work in your life as we respond to him. And he enables us by the grace of God to walk in his path. His grace is sufficient for us. And so he begins to deal with us as children, as his sons, to bring us to that place. There's a divine preparation. God never does it haphazard. He is a God and there's divine preparation. And you may wonder often what's going on. Why are all these things happen? I want to tell you something. I've got good news. God's preparing you. God's making you ready. God's dealings. God's dealing with us as his children. Jeremiah chapter 18. You'll know the verses, but if you turn there, we see here the dealings of God with his people. We've got to know these things not just as a head knowledge, but as a reality in our lives and the day in which we're living. Jeremiah 18, verse 1. Jeremiah 18, verse 1 says, The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause thee to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house, and behold, he wrought a work on the wheels, and the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. Thank God our lives are in the hand of the potter. It's a wonderful thing to know. My life is in the hand of Almighty God. There's no devil in hell can pluck me from his hand this morning. Brothers, no matter how you feel, no matter how low you may feel, I want to tell you, your hand is in the hand of Almighty God and not a devil in hell, not a demon running around bowing the hens today can pluck you from his hand. But God's doing a work and thank God he is. It says here that the clay was marred. You know, we're not the complete work. 
We're being perfected. We are absolutely saved and we are complete in him. But we're being perfected by the sanctifying work of the Holy Ghost. So we're flawed. Would anyone say amen if you're flawed? Don't, don't be afraid to say I don't know, maybe it might be hard for some to admit that you're imperfect. But, you know, we're flawed individuals. We have faults. You know, live with me. You'll find out very quickly all the flaws that I've got. But she still loves me. <laughs> Praise the Lord. And there's flaws in all of our characters, in our ways. There's flaws. Isn't that right? Don't sit now looking at me, pretend you don't have any faults. We're all flawed, but God's working with us. By the grace of God, he begins to look into us and say, Now you've said to me, you want to be like me. I'm going to do a wonderful work in your life. And I'm going to see, because I see the marred bits. I see the, I see beyond the, he's a lovely shirt and tie on this morning, everything looks well. But I see your heart. I see the things that are in there that shouldn't be there. I know your thoughts. I know the things that you battle with. I know the things that have got a hold of you that you need to bring to me. And I'll do the work in your life. By the grace of God, I'll mold you and conform you into my image. And so it says that he made it again another vessel. That's what God's doing. He's making us another vessel. I pray, I hope, and God himself knows this, but I hope I'm not the same person that I was when I got saved in 1993. But I hope I'm not the same person I was even a couple of years ago. This thing doesn't go up and then you get a plateau and you're living in a time of sinless perfection until God comes. We're constantly being conformed to the image of Christ right until he calls or comes. Then we're changed. So he says, he made it another vessel that seemed good to the potter to make it. Then the word of the Lord came unto me saying, O house of Israel, cannot... I do with you as this potter. Can God do it with you? You're sitting here this morning. I don't know. I'm fed up with myself. I'm absolutely fed up with feeling. I'm fed up with trying. I'm fed up with my sin. I'm fed up with the life I'm living, living in defeat and failure. And I'm, and you're sitting here this morning and God asks you a question. Can I do with you what I've done here in this clay? I want to tell you something. God's able this morning. God's able to do a work in our hearts and in our lives and our personalities and our very innermost being. What for? To make us more like Jesus. Do you want to be like Jesus? And so the work is this, that God is making another vessel. The trials, the afflictions, the tests, the discouragement, all are part of the work of God in our lives to make us a vessel for his use, for his time, for his method, and for his purpose. Let's look at some, there's so many examples, I'll just look at some this morning of God's divine preparation. Joshua chapter 4, if you turn over there in Joshua chapter 4, we see the children of Israel are about to cross the river Jordan. God has promised them, his promise there it is, he has promised them Canaan's land. He's promised them they would go in, they would win, they would get the victory, they possessed the land, they pulled down the great cities, and now they're about to go in. And it tells us in Joshua chapter 4 and 4, Joshua's looking for 12 men. I'm looking 12 men. And these 12 men are going to step into the river Jordan and they'll have the Ark of the Covenant on their shoulders. And what's going to happen is when these 12 men step into the river Jordan, the waters are going to part and we're all going to walk over into victory land. Now this morning, if, if Joshua's standing here and Joshua said, I'm looking 12 men this morning. Just put your hand up if you're a volunteer. 
I tell you what's going to happen. You're going to carry the Ark of the Covenant. You're going to walk into the Jordan. God's going to do an amazing miracle. And he volunteers. I would think that in real terms, every one of us would go, pick me. Well, I think we probably would. But this is what it says in Joshua 4 and 4. Then Joshua called the 12 men whom he had prepared of the children of Israel. Do you see what happened there? God had prepared men to carry the presence of the Lord. This wasn't just stick your name down and you should prepare good for catering on a Sunday night. But this was men that were genuinely and sincerely by God's sanctifying work made ready to carry the presence of the Lord into that river Jordan. And when they did that, verse 13 tells us, not only was there 12, but then it says in verse 13, about 40,000 were prepared for war to pass over before the Lord into battle, into the plains of Jericho. The 12 were sent first, but they were prepared. And the 40,000 that came after them, they were all ready for war. Brothers and sisters, I believe that God's preparing a people for a great battle in these days. We're in a battle. We're in a conflict, but God's preparing a people. God's making ready a people in these last days. It's a remnant people. It's a people that have known what it is to go through many tests and trials. But I want to tell you, it's God's divine preparation for God's divine purpose. Jonah was glad that God was a God of preparation. Why? God prepared a great fish. You imagine if he hadn't prepared it? When Jonah was cast over the side of that ship and he's in those waves and that angry storm and that whale came and swallowed Jonah. It really did happen. It's not a fantasy. It really did happen because God prepared the fish. Thank God that God makes preparation. The Bible tells us that God himself has prepared us for glory. Now Romans chapter 9, if you just turn over to see God's preparation. You know God What's he doing? We know he's intercession on our behalf. We know he's preparing for us a place because he's told us that. But in Romans 9 and 23, this is what it says, that he might make known, Romans 9 and 23, that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy. Do you know when you walk down Main Street, you leave this building this morning, you're leaving this place, going through those double doors. You walk on the main street. And that world see you. They drive up and they look and they stop. And people walking past with their dogs. What they're seeing is a vessel of the mercy of God. They look at you and they say, there's a vessel. Now they may not use those words, but that's what you are. Now what does God want to do? God tells us here that he will want to make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy. God wants to reveal, here's God's purpose for your life, in your workplace, in the streets, wherever you go. God wants to make known the riches of his glory on these vessels of mercy. Isn't it awesome that God would want to reveal his glory through your life to a lost and a dying world? What are we this morning? We're sinners saved by grace. Not one of us deserve the grace and the mercy of God. But he wants to lift these trophies of grace and says, I've done that work. I've saved that man. I've delivered him from the powers of darkness. He's a vessel of mercy. And I want to make known my great riches unto this world through this vessel. It's awesome this morning. It tells us there that he has prepared 
which he hath afore prepared on the glory. God's prepared you for glory. You know, these present trials are not worthy to be even compared to the glory that's going to be revealed. There's a glory coming to this earth as Jesus and all the glory of heaven is coming with him. And that glory will be revealed in us. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 2 and 9, again we see God's divine preparation. 1 Corinthians 2 and 9, But as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard Neither has it entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. Friends, is that awesome this morning? The eye has not seen it. The ear has not. It hasn't even entered into the heart of man the things God has prepared. Do you love the Lord this morning? God made some great preparation for you and me. Isn't it awesome? As we approach the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, like the first coming in Luke chapter 1, verse 17, and I believe this is what God is doing in this hour, but in Luke 1, 17, because we know the same spirit, the spirit of Elijah, and that same power is a manifestation of that in the last days. But in Luke 1 and 17, it tells us of John the Baptist, he shall go before him in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just. Then what does it say? And to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. God's preparing. In the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, the bride makes herself ready. There's a preparation There's a divine preparation in the body of Christ today across this world. God is preparing his people for the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. The bride is making herself ready. Primarily in this hour in which we're living. And I believe this is really what God has been doing in our hearts and our lives. Certainly I can testify of our hearts and lives over many years. The purpose certainly has been revealed. But often I can say the timing was wrong, the method was wrong, everything was wrong, and the vessel certainly wasn't ready. I'm not saying I'm ready this morning. Thank God he's still working on me. But I know that he's working and he's still preparing. But primarily we want a place where God desires to come and pour out his spirit and move by his spirit in these last days. There's a man called David. This man was a man after the heart of God. He longed for the presence of God. He rejoiced when the ark came back. He danced with all his might because he recognized as a type of Christ, the ark of the covenant, the divine presence of God. But in 1 Chronicles 15 and 1, it says this, David had built all his houses in the city of David, great and grand houses, palaces for himself, everything else. But then it says this in 1 Chronicles 15 and 1. He built those houses, but here's something different. He prepared a place for the Ark of the Covenant. This is different from building. This is preparation. We might renovate and build a building, but that's completely different to preparing a place for the presence of God. 
Do you understand what I'm saying? We can have the grandest, greatest building on this planet, the most attractive-looking building with all the facilities and the state-of-art sound system, lights, everything. But friends, that doesn't prepare for the presence of the Lord. That's something different. And so when we see the heart of David longing for the preparation to make a place ready for God to descend and for God to inhabit and for God to move through that vessel, there's a prepared place. That's why we come and we wait. We come and we sit before the service and prepare our hearts Musicians come and prepare. That's why we do it, not to fill an hour. What we're doing, we're preparing the place for the presence of God. We're preparing our hearts. God, would you come down? Why? Because God is a God of preparation. That's why we do it. Jesus has prepared a place for us. Listen this morning for those who aren't saved. He's also prepared a place called hell for the devil and his angels. And all that reject him will go to this place that God has prepared. It's serious this morning. He's a God of divine preparation. Moses finds himself in the wilderness 40 years. The children of Israel also find themselves in the same wilderness after they come out of Egypt. And the purposes of God are revealed What's happening in the wilderness? What's God doing? Well, it tells us what God was doing with the children of Israel in Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 2. And this is what it says. Thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these 40 years in the wilderness. What was it for? Was that a waste of time? No. Here's what it was for. To humble you. To prove you and to know what was in your heart. Whether you would keep his word or not. Can I tell you, brothers and sisters, I'd rather be in the wilderness with God than in a place where there's hundreds of thousands of people having a good time. To know the dealings of God, the divine preparation of God. For the purpose of God. Because as we look tonight, there's an encounter with God. And after the encounter, there's an engagement with a world of darkness. And there's a mighty deliverance to the glory of Jesus Christ. There's an encounter after divine preparation. I feel, God, I need that encounter. But only God knows. Only God knows. But I feel, God, we need an encounter with you. Divine preparation. Friends, God's doing a work. Don't be discouraged. He's bringing us forth for his glory. Let's pray together.